Hello, everybody. Welcome to your Liverpool FC podcast. And we've been rebranded. Uh, it wasn't painful, but we are now officially, I think, the uh, the, the Blood Red podcast, uh, reflecting our uh, Saturday column in the Echo. Um, and, well, it's the afternoon after the night before. Um, lots of tired and emotional faces and bodies around the office. Um, fantastic uh, result for the Reds in the semi-final. Uh, and a trip to the Europa League final in prospect. James, how are you feeling after all that? Drained, knackered, excited, loving it? Yeah, I think probably all of them all rolled into one. Um, yeah, it was just a great night, wasn't it? I think, um, I must admit, I, I thought it was going to be a really tricky test for Liverpool. I thought Villarreal would be a real tough nut to crack, but it was a complete team performance. And uh, you know, I think that was... That was the you know people talk about the power of Anfield, but that was that was the power of Klopp as well. You know you, you that was that was everything he's he's put in place over the past seven months. There in all its its splendor last night, you know the unity, the togetherness, not just in the dressing room but also in the stands. Um, you know, tactically, he absolutely did a job on on Marcelino, and and Liverpool just absolutely bossed it from from start to finish and uh, just. Just a hugely impressive night all round, um, and it's, yeah, it's just amazing to think that this this season, which started off you know, so dismally, when you think of those horrendous defeats at you know, home to West Ham and Old Trafford, um, when you think about what what a mess the club was in back then, but now we're ready to decamp to to Basel on May the eighteenth for what we hope will be a a fantastic end to the season. Well, you couldn't have asked for much more from the new manager and come in uh, two cup finals in his first seven and a half, eight months, whatever. Um, and probably a league position that could have been better than it is with it, with you know a couple of things that gone right. He points regularly, you know, to the injury nightmare he had, and you know it's, it, he's not making it up. There was a stage back then in deepest, darkest winter when you know he couldn't find a fit centre half. That's like Jose That's yeah, how bad it was. Yeah. So there were legitimate excuses for the league campaign, but in the cups, um, he's managed to bring sort of both emotion and performance to the to the pitch. Hasn't he? I mean, I know people were talking a lot about the the twelfth man last night, but I think the twelfth man wasn't the supporters; it was the manager, because you know, he, as, as James said, he did a number on the, on, on Marcelino and basically got everything right, everything right that he who'd have thought, like at the start, you know, as James mentioned that at the start of the scene, who'd have thought if Colo. Colo Torre would have been probably playing in a European final. <laughs> what, 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 exactly, what would you have said to that? The it's the, be, it's the best the thing, things, one of the best the things, things ever, isn't the it? The amount of things that had to happen to get to that point is just ridiculous. And you just mentioned then about, I mean, I, I talked about this in the office earlier, that you mentioned then about, you know, he's had a few, a lot of injury problems. He's a new manager coming in. He's got to, you know, a League Cup final and lost it. You know, you got, got beat by a, in the FA Cup but a team who plays in Claret and Blue. Missed out the Champions League and the Premier League but could be salvation we're winning the European final. I mean, does that remind you of anybody? <laughs> <laughs> you are allowed to answer about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Does it remind you of Benitez his first season? Then mm. no, not you're not having that. It's no. kind of a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of it. Not really. A lot of it is a lot. A wee bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could argue that Benitez inherited a better team than the one Klopp's got because that was a team that already was in the Champions League. But you know, I, I think you can't. Undermine what what Jurgen Klopp's achieved in a very short space of time. It'd be miraculous if he won it, to be honest. 
And you know, obviously, everyone talks about the miracle of Istanbul and what what Benitez did in in two thousand five, and you know that obviously is on a different scale. But to to, to be on the verge of of a European trophy with when he took over in October, had to implement a style of play, had to turn these players into big game players, big game mentality. This is knockout football, and the one thing that Liverpool have lacked over the over the past couple of years, certainly for for a good while actually, is in knockout football, they just didn't seem to have the the character or the or the the spine, quite literally, um, to to do that. You look at Manchester United, you look at Dortmund, now you look at Villarreal, three ties, the the eyeballed, you know, top opponents, all of them in the top four of their respective divisions. Uh, United, not sorry, but you know they're going for it at least, and they didn't just they. they you know, obviously it was it was very much uh, dramatic against Dortmund, but they've gone through and they've they've been good value for going through. There's been you no know, contentious decisions. They've not been lucky here or there. It, Didn't you see that Moreno penalty last night? That, <laughs> that was that was that was a fifty-fifty job. That. <laughs> uh, but in general, it's just to what he's done to this team in, in knockout football, at the very least, is is remarkable. He's, he's got players, you know, people like Adam Lallana were getting absolutely slated at the start of the season, saying he's got no character, he's got no heart. You know, Emery Chan, all these sorts of players, you know, even James Milner, Jordan Henderson, obviously didn't play last night. Um, just all of these players, Tejan Lovren, and he's got them to a European final. I mean, you know, give credit to the players, of course, they've responded to it, but he is the catalyst. I mean, you understand that Christie makes a great point about knockout football because that's something that under you know, under Brendan Rodgers, Liverpool just didn't quite grasp. I know they got to two semi-finals last yeah, season, but they sort of got three quarters the way there. Didn't yeah, they? They, but then that's and, well. Look at basically Liverpool in Europe last season. Look at the Real Madrid game away from home. I mean, I know we've spoken in the past about this, and it's a big bone of contention of mine. But can you see Jurgen Klopp going to Real Madrid even in that situation and putting out a team like that and basically putting up? The white flag. So that would never. That would never happen now. I could see him putting out a team. I could see him putting out a team like that because he's very, you know, he talks in detail about why he picks a certain team. Blah blah blah. But yeah. I think he'd send that team out with more belief that actually you're going to win well, the game. It, yeah. You know yeah. I, mean? I think. I think the other the other thing is talking about what he's done to, to transform the team is he's also transformed people's opinions of the Europa League as well because. You know, for as long as I can remember, it's always just been seen as like a bit of an unwelcome distraction. How it just gets in the way of the league form uh, and all the rest of it, and and even you, know, you think back to the start of this run, and I was over in Bordeaux when like Pedro Chirivella and Jordan Rossiter were playing in midfield that night, and it was a pretty down one-one draw. And then you think of them getting booed off against, I think it was home to Sion, which you know the draw, which proved to be Rodgers' last home game, and they were just they were just an irrelevance, and they just you went to those games thinking it just reminded you how far Liverpool had fallen in terms of European football that. That now, what what were once real occasions were, were now just like oh, something that just gets in the way of the serious business on the weekend. And and it, I remember the real turning point was Kazan away, because I remember going on that trip, convinced that I'd be going on that trip with essentially an under 18s teams and thinking, what well, why on earth would a Liverpool manager take all of his star names to Kazan on a freezing cold night? And he had to he had to defend his selection that yeah, night for yeah, being. Yeah. Overly because, strong, yeah, didn't I remember, it? I think I mean I asked him about it and said, you know, why, 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 why have you brought Coutinho and you know Firmino and all these, all, the, all, the, all your big, your big guns on a trip like this? Because we were so used to the attitude was, you know, you know, you, you just try and do enough if you can to get out of the group and you don't 
ever jeopardise what's going to happen on the weekend. But Klopp was like, well, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tournament, it's a, it's a trophy. We've, he thinks, he said from the start, we've got a realistic chance of winning it. And I think he just transformed the, the, the way it's viewed both, but you know, in the dressing room and and in the stands, and uh, you know, having from pretty weak beginnings in that group, Liverpool qualified at a canter. You know, made hard work at getting past Augsburg, but then you know United, Dortmund, Villarreal—three hugely memorable games—and now everyone is thanking their lucky stars. He did treat the competition with the respect he has done. Do you, think, do you, think, sorry, do you think part of that's down to the fact that the, the draw that they got? Simply because if you'd have said beforehand, "Oh, you're going to face your bitter, you know, rivals yeah, in United. You're going to play yeah. the best team in the tournament, Dortmund, and then you're going to have to beat a team that's already going to be in the Champions League, just and they're only." They've only got Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid and Barcelona ahead of them in the Spanish league. Whereas I think whereas the draw in terms of difficult games, it could have been a lot easier for Liverpool. In fact, that's kind of made them. Yeah. That's what's the, made the, the competition. Prestige, yeah. it, and and there's yeah. the whole Champions League qualification yeah. and if they win it as well. It's given them one of those like you know, the last sort of if you, if you think the sort of the, the last two sort of big European managers for Liverpool in terms of Julier and, and Benitez, they all had those games that you can remember that became part of the the narrative of their Time at yeah. Anfield and became sort of told the story in a way. In many ways, given there was you know no league title for either. But Julian's reign wouldn't have been as memorable if uh, you know they would have beaten Malaga in the semi-finals in two thousand and one. Likewise, if Rafael Benitez was was seeing off Sporting Lisbon in the in the quarterfinals of, of two thousand and five, they played some of the best teams that they could and and they won. What it's also done as well, it's just it's, it's just really galvanised the, 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 the support and the crowd and. Occasions is the right word that James used a couple minutes ago, isn't it? I mean, we we saw the scenes. We we sort of knew they were coming. I want to know who owns that scaffolding by the King Harry. Cause <laughs> that, I just see it and I go break out in a cold sweat. I mean, it's a public health nightmare. Uh, I mean, I just see where there's blame, there's a claim. Uh, flares, kid. You know, kids. As somebody said, they saw a kid holding the flare last night. Finally, they burn it like. 1600 degrees. 1600 degrees centigrade, and you know, asthmatic-free zone. Thankfully, you know, touch touch wood. You know everything's going fine, but though you know it not only has the chance to you know give the Liverpool players this massive boost, but there's no doubt Villarreal took to the pitch last night oh, and their heads weren't quite in the first, right place. First, was first it? five minutes, I mean they had that little chance they need to start, but after that they they were totally in awe of 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 what what they faced both in terms of getting to the ground with all you know past King Harry driving into the ground. And then when they came out and they just saw obviously the mosaic and the emotion and, and the noise, you know, bear in mind, Villarreal, you know, they're not used to playing in atmospheres like that. Atmospheres in Spain are, are pretty turgid, to be honest. You know, you go to your Madrid's and Barca and the only one that's any good really is Atletico. So they won't have played in anything quite like that and on, on an occasion like that for, for a long time. And, uh, you know, obviously the fans were really, you know, nice, nice people, you know, absolutely really hospitable around the city, you know, lovely touch with the banner. The fans were poor, they didn't sing, they didn't stand, they didn't shout, they just were sort of... They're fan- I mean, they were, they, were, they, were, they were nice and yellow, weren't they? And they yeah. were very... <laughs> yeah, and, they, they and were yellow. They were, they were very yeah, yellow, problem, yeah. but I don't think, in terms of having come all that way, was it just a sign that they, they sort of the writing was on the wall fairly early for them? Yeah, I think so. They had nothing, they never had anything to shout about, did they? I think that was the thing. And it was one of those nights where, you know, the fans fed off the, the team and, and, and vice versa as well because you know, I was on Anfield Road from about quarter to six and it was just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. You know, thousands of people. They were the police. At one point, the police were actually saying they thought they were going to have to reroute the coaches because they didn't think they'd be able to get through because there you know, just wasn't anywhere for the people to go. 
um, in the end they did get through and it was just unbelievable watching the the Villarreal coach emerge from this thick red fog um, (laughs) with hundreds and hundreds of people banging on the side of the coach and and you thought yeah, that is that was hostile, and then you know, and then the other side of the coin. Two minutes later, when the Liverpool coach, you know, almost gets carried along on a, on a wave of emotion with all the noise and the and the banners and the songs, and you you, you kind of sense then that you know, if, you know, Liverpool were going to be inspired and they were going to be overawed, and that was exactly it. You know, I just thought Villarreal looked like rabbits caught in headlights for most of that opening forty-five minutes. These cup runs give give a chance for Klopp to. To really acquaint himself with the football club, though, because you, if you think back to the Crystal Palace game when people leave, and you know, and you think back to at the start of his reign and and, and Anfield's like a, a mortuary, and it just wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really happening. It didn't feel like that connection between Klopp and the crowd was quite there. They needed something to hang on to. What you see now is exactly what what he knew, was yeah. thinking when when Liverpool signed Klopp when they when they appointed the manager. This is what people were signing up for. This is what they thought was happening. It's just that was happening within the first eight months of his reign. It's really given the fans a chance to connect with him now, and, and likewise, you know, he's given it the old A's and the, the, the arm raising. What do you call that thing where he does the. Uh, <laughs> what's that? that has, if, you know, if anyone knows the word for that, let us know. Is, is, is it Gagan shouting? <laughs> <laughs> I think Gagan shouting, if it's not it from henceforth now, will be referred to in the echo as Gagan shouting. Um, and it, yeah, he knew he needed that connection with Anfield. It was very apparent on that sort of great display over at City that has been hard back to too often, I suppose, but, um, you know, his, his one first phrase almost when he came off the pitch to the press was, I just so wish it had been at Anfield. He knew he needed that, and it, it, that connection is there. And, but it has to be reciprocal with the players, doesn't it? Because, you know, if, if, if the players go out flat um, and, you know, nothing happens and, say, they score and there's there's no, you know... You know, it's very difficult for the crowd to lift themselves, to lift, to lift the team. It, it can happen, but it, you know, it has to be a two-way thing, and and thankfully it's it, it, it's happening. And on the pitch last night, Dory, you were on player ratings. Um, it was difficult. You know, let's just work. Nobody had a bad game, did they? Um, everyone was pretty good, but there were some standout performances for me. Um, on the day, he got left out of the Brazilian Copa America squad. I mean. Roberto Firmino has left everyone with a, a searing image in their head of that uh, fantastic turn that sort of sent Roberto Soldado somewhere there. He still doesn't know where he is. I quite like, if you see the replay, Soldado kind of like puts his arm out as if to say, like, come here, and he's just like, he's just grasping <laughs> onto nothing. It's like, he's just thinking, oh, never mind. Um, but yeah, he wasn't the only one. Firmino, was, it was weird. Firmino was that kind of player where in the first half... I don't think we're allowed to call him Firmino. Oh, is he Firmino? He's from, I think <laughs> it's, oh, sorry. it's Firmino. Sorry, it's, a lot of people sorry, get very Bobby. upset about okay. that. Okay, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby. Uh, Bobby. Uh, in the first half, it's almost like he doesn't seem to be doing a lot. And then you're halfway through the second half and you, you go, hang on a minute, he set up two goals. He's going to set up another one. And he... He produces that great piece of skill, and he suddenly realised he's just running the show. I think he's he incredibly yeah. effective that without looking like he is, which is the best thing ever, because that sort of lulled opposition into false you know, sense of full, security. You know, and then you full, he's not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. who made I mean, the uh, the Muller comparison? Um, was that? It might be one of the lads on the Anfield rap, I think it was. Possibly. Might have done. It might have been Neil Atkinson. He, yeah. he made the Muller comparison. I think that's, you know, he's not maybe as good as Muller yet, but yeah, he's so effective. He just finds space. And God, can you imagine, imagine imagine, playing against 
Milner, Lalana, and Firmino, you just wouldn't get a chance to, to settle whatsoever. And it's it's, it's you know it's it's so vital to what Liverpool do and, and to set the tempo for nights like that. That, that tempo was one thing just yeah. knocked them out of their stride, wasn't it? And uh, it's we should the they kept it going in the second half. They had the carnival lull. I think Klopp mentioned it just before half time. But the second half, I thought. Mm. Overall, Liverpool's performance in the second half was probably the best they've played all season. I, I, I tweeted at half-time that Marcelino will have told his team they can't keep this up because I genuinely didn't yeah. think they could. And I thought that they were waiting for a, a moment to get that goal, which obviously would have put them in control of the tie again. But it never really came. And then obviously the sending off sort of gave Liverpool that sort of, you know, little bit of... Second wind almost, you know. wasn't it? You know, if they were going to low, well, they're against 10 men now, so let's let's just finish this off now and let's get the third goal because then they're not coming back from it and that's what they did they went for the jugular yeah. they um, lost their heads didn't they Villarreal even in the first half you could, because Liverpool started the game that well they, they lost their rag you know, you, they, they were you know, haranguing the, the referee you know, throwing themselves to the ground Soldado buying cheap free kicks backing into Colo Torre and it was you know, it was no real surprise when Ruiz got himself sent off because you know, I, I think you know they they haven't been in that position, have they? You know, you think this this is a team who, who have been on a this, you know, this fantastic run. You you only had to see the way that they celebrated over in El Madrigal after the first leg to see you know they thought they'd done the hard yards that they. You know, I think they'd scored in thirteen of their previous fourteen away European games. They would have thought that we'll score one, Liverpool won't get three, and you know they they did not take kindly to the fact they were so comprehensively outfought and outplayed. The I mean there was. Fairly early on, there were several thousand in Anfield who wanted to give that um, Dennis Suarez a bit of a slap. He was, I mean, he was, he was I mean, he was always going to be a weird. I mean, what sort of Suarez family names their lad Dennis is what I want to know. But uh, yeah, and then Soldado sort of only increased things. Um, they were. I just thought there were some reasonable challenges that went in that were never close to being followed, and they were chasing after the referee. It seemed. It seemed like the the one of their tactics was to try and put pressure yeah. on the referee and maybe get something. Um, so we move on. Um, final. Um, I'm sure everyone's having a night. Nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't even want to. Well, well there, there you yeah. go. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure everybody's been having trouble trying to find flights that don't take a month's wages. I know we have, and uh, various. Uh, uh, lads around the office, are. <laughs> um, and um, Sevilla in weight, um, twice winners. They've you know been in four in the last you know only ten or fifteen years. Final and won all four, so they know how to get it done. Um, but you know, they're I don't know how you quantify it. Obviously, they've been decent at home this year and abject away. I don't quite know what a neutral venue does to them, um, but. You know, what would you say? Fifty-fifty tie on on paper. They've got two on the trot, but you know Liverpool have beaten Villarreal, who are ahead of Sevilla in the league. And yeah, I, but, think, I think it's fifty-fifty. I think um, you're right. Yeah, of course they have got that experience. They've got this close affinity with the competition. You know, going for a hat trick of wins in it. But you know, when you look at the caliber of opponents Liverpool have knocked out on route, you know, no one can say that. That Liverpool have, have have got there an easy way, or that this is a step up in class compared to to what they've faced already. You know, Klopp touched upon it this week. You know, when the draw was made for the quarterfinals, and we got Dortmund. You know, you looked at that and thought, oh well, it was probably not. You know, it was nice while it lasted, but you know, we'll get two nice games out of it. And to and you know, when, when you when you win a tie like that, and especially in that kind of fashion, 
Sevilla will hold no no fears for any of those Liverpool players. I mean, lots of them stopped. Me and Doyle were in the mix zone last night, and you know that that said that you know, whoever you spoke to, that was the message. You know, yeah, this is fantastic, but we need to go there and finish the job off because, you know, as we touched upon earlier, it's not just you know a first European trophy for eleven years for Liverpool. It's also <coughs> Champions League football, and uh, you know that's that, I think that will make a big difference to. To, to the summer transfer plans as well. So it'll have a huge knock-on effect in terms of you know who you can attract and also the kind of money that, that Klopp will have to play with as well. Well, it's it sort of... Um, it's Ian Eyre metaphorically sliding an extra, what, 30 to 40 million into Jurgen yeah. Klopp's pocket yeah, for well, the season yeah, coming? With, with the TV deal, it obviously came in at the start of this season. I think, I think you guarantee them a minimum of 40 million TV money. And obviously... We know now that the Europa League winners will go straight into the Champions League group stage, so you wouldn't even have a qualifier. Um, it also takes away the headache of, of possibly having to play a Europa League qualifier when you're in America on the tour and them having to divide the squad for some to fly back to possibly go to Estonia and, and play some third qualifying round game. We thought so, you'd be happy enough with, with that arrangement. <laughs> no, I'll be in California All on right, the beach yeah. at that point. Um, so, yeah, it's... Yeah, there's so much to play for in there. Yeah, there always is, obviously, in any major final. But this one is a bit different because of the other the other prize at stake as well. Doherty, you brought up Watford, so we better talk a wee bit about it. Um, I thought Christian brought up Watford. Uh, well, well, either one of them. <laughs> one from two. Um, it's going to be tough for whatever... To watch, for, to watch it? Well, to write about? It's, yeah, it is... <laughs> It is going to be emotionally a massive come down, isn't it? And I mean, presumably, obviously, significant changes. And the hope is that some of the younger lads who will get their chance can maybe grasp it a bit more mm. effectively than they did. Uh, you were down at Swansea, Christian. It was a long journey home from there, wasn't it? It was, although I didn't drive. So <laughs> <laughs> you have you have a chauffeur, Mister Pierce. Yeah. Um. Taxi driver was sound. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, yes, it, it is going to be hard, isn't it? But it, it, that's why I can foresee a lot of changes because a lot of, you know, I always find it interesting Klopp talks about not just the physical fatigue but the mental fatigue as well. A lot of those players will still be absolutely on an absolute high. You don't want them to go into a game, you know, and possibly risk an injury or, or that sort of thing, you know, three days afterwards. So it will be much changed. It'll, you know, it, it's good. It, Watford have got nothing to play for as well. They've they've been poor since uh, the turn of the year. Their their manager Sanchez Flores looks like he might be on his way out. So, you know, it it really is a one of those nothing games. But you know, it's it's selling this to us. No, but but but, but it's I think we need you in the dressing room before. <laughs> <laughs> just just pin walls to the wall. Just pin into the wall. It's, it's <laughs> but it's better to be a nothing game with a Europa League final. On the horizon, rather than if Liverpool go out, yeah. it will be a Nottingham game, and there's absolutely nothing to buy. Not it. In well, general. Speaking of that, the Europa League, and to sort of get away with levity for a, for a moment, Piercy, the the allocation is is you know it does stick in the craw. Basel, thirty five thousand capacity. Um, a lot of Liverpool fans will have been there in two thousand and two, two thousand and fourteen. It's not a great time for a football final, in all honesty. However much it might be. Nice for skiing, I think, and various <laughs> other things. But um, so we've you know, the yeah. Swiss, yeah. The, the, uh, yeah. you know, it's just you know, it's so disappointing that you know we know the Reds will travel. There's nothing like, there's nothing like a European trip, especially for a big game. And you know, that, you should look around the stadium last night. You know, forty-three something thousand in there, knowing that the vast majority of those 
that's it for them. They ain't, know, they ain't, yeah. they ain't going to final. And, um, you know, some of us may be lucky enough to to get there if we ever can find a flight, but um, we may not be. But um, for the fans, it really is. You know, what are you a for playing at having a big final in a thirty five thousand capacity stadium? I know, and they've, they've, obviously they've come out today in response to all the criticism that's that's come their way, trying to trying to answer it. But it, you know, it's pretty poor to be honest. What they've even what they've summoned as a response, saying about how you know they have a duty to take these finals around the different countries of Europe, and that. Know, that, that this is the best that Switzerland have got to offer, um, you know, and how it, it hosted big games in, in obviously Euro two thousand eight. But it's 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 a, it, it's poor, isn't it? I think I mean, Liverpool being there obviously just exposes the folly of of the decision that UEFA made two years ago. Because yeah, if it if it had been I don't know Shakhtar Donetsk against Sevilla in the final, then do you know what thirty five thousand may well have been. Big enough, but you know, with, with how many great stadiums there are around Europe, it, it does beg a belief that they could pick one with such a small capacity. I mean, I was looking back through the, the, the history books, and I think since 1998, when it, when the UEFA Cup became a one-off game in a neutral venue rather than two legs, there's only been one occasion since where they played it in such a small venue, and that was two years ago when I think Sevilla and Benfica played uh, in Turin in front of 33,000. But, I didn't. I didn't even sell out that game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then obviously, you know, we've learned today that Liverpool, their allocation of ten thousand is going to get in, increased slightly because Sevilla aren't going to sell out their ten thousand, which you know, which, which it's just it's just mad, isn't it, for a major European? It's a bit blasé about but, it all now, aren't they? You know, yeah, and the I, think they, I think well, I think one of the other reasons someone was telling me was because they've got the Copa del Rey final. I think. Four days after the 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 Europa League final, which is against so, Barca, isn't it? Yeah, I think. yeah. So they obviously. I don't, their fans would be, you know, to part into that en masse. But uh, yeah, it is a shame. It is a shame. I mean, the, the, the frustrating thing is when you look at the breakdown of numbers. Not only is it an unacceptably small stadium, but also the way they divvy it up. I mean, there's eight thousand tickets for the UEFA family, for corporates, and the different national associations. And as we all know from previous finals, those tickets will eventually end up in the hands of Liverpool fans. It's just that they will have to end up playing three, four, five, six times the, the, the face value to get a hold of them. So I think you know we probably will find there'll be fifteen to twenty thousand Liverpool fans there that night, but you know uh, it's it, it is unacceptable. But it's not the first time we've been sat here talking about UEFA and their their poor planning for big events like this. They want up the prestige of the tournaments, so the you know the the they say there's a Champions League place for the winners and and then they host the final and bow. You know what what would the Valverde five four be if it wasn't in Dortmund and it would have been you know somewhere in Nuremberg or, or something like that. It's just. I was just thinking of a small. <laughs> I've really yeah. with everyone today. Leicester. It's Leicester. No, don't say Leicester. But yeah, it, it's unbelievable. Although I did, I did enjoy um, Klopp completely going against the club's <laughs> own advice. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't read the memo, did he? Yeah. He didn't read the memo. The, the club sent out a memo saying, "Do not travel." Do not travel. <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, it's a lovely city. Let's go." I think he's going to do. He read the memo and the flares. He was going, "All this smoke's a bit hard for the boss." He was saying, "You know, we do. We like to see the fans." So. He's, he's read the memo on the flares, but definitely not on the <laughs> travelling without a ticket. Where, where are you UEFA based? What country? Oh, that'd be Switzerland, I think. Yeah, and where's this, where's this game being held? Do you think there's a link? Uh, You're I'm... determined to question me in this uh, pod that already, but Switzerland, I believe. Should, yeah. shouldn't, should, shouldn't UEFA just build like a Superdome in, in Switzerland and just have every final there? No, no, so definitely no, don't do that. No, We're no, not I'm, having I'm, every... That was Christian Walsh, ladies and gentlemen, proposing every final be in Switzerland. Well, there can be no finer point to leave it than there. You've been listening to 
James Pierce to Ian Doyle to Christian Walsh and to myself Andy Kelly thank you very kindly for listening we've been rebranded this is your blood red Liverpool podcast thanks for listening and good luck on the Ryanair website cheers (laughs) 